Hi, I'm glad that you're here. I'm Brenda, I'm a business coach, and I work with midlife women that are interested in, say, leaving their corporate career and launching their dream business, or maybe they've already launched their dream business and it's not feeling so dreamy right now. And this is where it's like I love to work with women and just make it more of ease and more fun and more inspiring in their business. So depending on what stage of business you're at, that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. I kind of look at business as in three stages. There's the first, like the inspirational, I've got an idea and I want to launch this idea stage. And then there's the second level, which is all around building, right? And putting in the infrastructure that could be technology. In a lot of cases, it's, you know, it is the era of technology where we've been in it for a while. And so it's just continually adding in more bells and whistles. But I think the key thing that I always like to stress to people is that it's also about the people and the technology and the processes that you're putting into your business to help it build. And then that third level, I think of entrepreneurship or being that business owner is the scaling part. Like, okay, so I've got all the basics in place now. How am I going to make this scale? How am I going to make this number one, easier for me to do, but also how can I get customers like when I'm on vacation, right? So it's like that whole making money while you sleep um, cliche that a lot of sort of business coaches or online business gurus talk about. And whether or not that's actually fully true, there are definitely things that you can be putting in your business to make that happen. So a couple of things that I have some thoughts about, and this is what you'll find inside the course that you've just bought, uh, this uh, $100,000 roadmap, right? Like I figure if like, if you can leave your corporate job and easily be able to take home $100,000 in revenue, depending on how and what your lifestyle looks like, it's going to cover off a majority of your basic expenses. Now, I have a pretty clear idea about how much money it takes for me to fuel my home, pay my electrical bills, pay my grocery bills, uh, you know, buy my kids back to school clothes, you know, for the, in the fall, whatever that looks like, right? Like, so I know what my monthly expenses are in my life to operate my life. And I know what my monthly expenses look like to operate my business. I've gotten it down to this sort of science, unless I'm going to make a new investment in something. So let's talk about these three levels of business ownership or entrepreneurship. And I think it's like, you might be straddling a couple different levels right now, or you might be fully in one and you're trying to like get to the other one and it's feeling like it's a bit of a struggle. Let's talk through that a little bit. And I'm hoping that this course will help put some of those things in place for you to make it feel, I don't want to say easier all the time, but make it feel more inspiring, more fun to be a part of your business. Okay, so the first level is all about starting up, right? Starting up your business. And I think like the key thing that I always say to people is to keep it simple, right? Know what that main offer is that um, you know your ideal audience is looking for. And a lot of times people will ask me, well, Brenda, should I be niching down or should I, you know, uh, just go and try and help as many people as possible? Well, here's, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, in my first sort of year of going off of my own in my business, I just helped whoever was available. I was getting lots of referrals. People knew that I was leaving my corporate job. They knew what I was really exceptional at doing, and they were hiring me specifically for that. So when I left my corporate job, a lot of the contract work that I was getting as a consultant and as a like new coach in my business was around um, strategy and helping leadership teams execute on strategy and leadership development and executive de development. And I love doing those things. That's what I was passionate about. I had to do other stuff in my corporate jobs that I wasn't always passionate about doing, but just had to do because it was under my job description. But that's the beauty of it. When you go into business for yourself, you can start doing things that are outside of the job description and things that you would love to just spend like 80% of your time doing.
So I wasn't to, I wasn't scrutinizing my clients. Um, there were some pros and some cons to that because I wasn't scrutinizing them. Sometimes I would get dinged on billing, um, their reliability to kind of show up. They would sign up for things and then cancel at the last minute. Uh, we didn't necessarily have that sort of, I didn't have necessarily those things in place. So it was a little bit, you know, hit and miss in those sort of early years. But I think, you know, for me, it was always about just keeping it simple and showing up as yourself, I think is really important. So understanding kind of like what you do, what you're about what your personal brand is, and just starting to put that legwork in place. I, I think all too often uh, I see coaches or business owners wanting to start up their business and they're trying to be everything to everybody. And I'm like, no, what do you love doing? What did you love doing in your corporate job? And if you could like literally get rid of 80% of your job description and focus in on this 20% and do it 80% of the time in your business, what would that be? And you know, and then go and find that audience, right? Find out who those people are, who could you potentially serve. Now, the danger zone, I think, um, and this is what I definitely saw, is that you end up taking on too much, right? Because you are, you know, whatever your sort of revenue level is or what type of money you're going into as far as like savings with your business, I found for myself, and I see this often with business owners, is that we just take on whatever we want to take on. We're not necessarily thinking about niching down. We're thinking that we can service as many people as we possibly can and doing whatever they're asking us to do. So we're not necessarily clear on what our offers are. We're not necessarily clear on what our full value is. We don't necessarily have that personal brand established and therefore we're not necessarily setting our pricing accordingly. So we might be taking on too much and not necessarily making enough money to compensate us fairly. Um, so again, the key thing is to define your personal brand and define it based off of your terms. If you're not doing that right now, I would say that is the work that you need to be doing before you go from this level one starting up to the next level, which is what I call starting over level two. So that transition point is that you are have a really clear, defined personal brand. And within that personal brand, you also have a defined niche group, a customer group that you love to service. Now, another sort of caution to be wary of in this phase when you're coming up with your personal brand is to also make sure that you're not getting into this comparison trap. Going on Instagram, seeing how beautiful other people's Instagram feed pages are, or you know what they're putting on reels, or what they're you know talking about with their audience, that may not be what your audience is looking for. That might not be what you're really good at doing. If it feels like to me like that sort of indicator, if it feels like a schlag, then um, <laughs> schlag—that's like a Brendaism word. But I mean, if it's if it feels like painful, if it feels exhausting to be performing for people uh, in your business, then that's not your personal brand. So like tune into those senses, right? Tune into those elements. If, if, if I'm not even really consciously thinking of it, then I'm in my personal brand. If I'm so consciously aware of it and it feels uncomfortable and it doesn't feel like me, then I'm not in my personal brand. Those are just like sort of spidey senses indications for me. Okay, so danger zone, taking on too much, uh, and the comparison trap. Those are the things you need to watch out for in that sort of first level of starting up your business. Second num level, number two, is that what I call starting over. <laughs> and it's just like, Brenda, I just started up my business. What do you mean starting over? Note to self, your personal brand and your business brand will never stay the same when you start it. Never. I don't know any business owner that started a business like 5, 10, 15 years ago, and it's still the same business today. 
things will change in your business. When you bring people into your business, they're going to have an idea about the business, your customers, your services, your offers. That's going to change the culture of your business with by bringing in another person and not to be wary of it because you might be like, no, 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 I started this business to do it this way. But you're going to learn some things. You're going to learn some things that are going to work and not work. You're going to, um, you know, uh, you know, collaborate with other people. You're going to uh, relinquish some things that you thought were like really important as far as your business because it doesn't really matter. But whatever that is, you are going to shift your business and your business is going to feel like it's starting over when you get into that level too. And I think that's okay. I think that is absolutely wonderful and beautiful. And we should relish that, right? We should relish the fact that Starting over means that we're learning, we're growing, we're putting ourselves out there, we're trying some things, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And who's to say it's not working? I mean, your your valuation of it not working might be like, well, it didn't work by Friday. <laughs> like I launched it Monday and it didn't work by Friday, therefore it's not working and I need to scrap it. Versus you know, like your audience might be just starting to consume it and then you pull it. So not thinking that it's like, I always say that to my clients when they're starting to like, you know, put more out on social media. They're like, I'm not getting the views. I'm not getting the likes. I'm not getting the comments from people. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not working. Like I didn't, I didn't communicate with every coach or like, I don't like, here's an example. Like if I want to go into Walmart today, or if I want to go into Canadian Tire today, I don't email them ahead of time and say, I'm coming to your store today to buy something. So this whole thing, like I have to, like my customer has to interact with me and I need to know who they are and they need to be like liking and, and I, they need to be showing up in my views before they buy something. So I know that they're interested in buying something like retailers don't think that way. Like, I mean, I, I spent years in retail, right. And hospitality and restaurants. I never had a customer, I mean, unless they were doing a reservation at a restaurant, but in retail, especially in apparel, like no one would ever call us or email us beforehand and just say, just, you know, I'm planning on dropping $400 today. Maybe, you know, like, like a returning customer, you know, they would call up to see whether or not we had this, a special gene on, you know, uh, in their size, because they wanted to put it on hold or something like that. So yeah, maybe there's like the little situations, but I never, like, we just put it on hold. I never sat there and went, oh, they're going to come in today. They're going to spend $180 on these jeans. And then we're going to sell them another $500 worth of clothing. Never thought that way. We just welcome customers in every single day. Customers weren't announcing that they were coming. So this whole thing of I'm not getting the views, all that sort of stuff. It's like the trust that you need to have in your business and what you're doing is working. So again, this sort of starting over, like embracing that unique message. So I think in level one, you're defining what that unique message is, your personal brand, and you're not always sure of it. You sometimes doubt it. Maybe you switch it up. Maybe you get into that comparison trap. So then you think you need to be talking like this person over here or me or somebody else that um, seems to be more successful than you. Uh, and just, I say, seems to be more successful than you. They may have a great personal brand online, but you have no idea what's going into their bank account. So don't necessarily equate a great brand, font, color, imagery, even how they're conveying something with the revenue that they're bringing into their bank account. Um, so yeah, here's the thing I would say is like embrace that unique message, keep refining it. And in the background, I said this earlier, um, it's about the people, the processes, the technology. So we may have bought some things. If it's working for you, great. If it's not, 
let it go, right? This is the time to evaluate, but make sure that when you're evaluating, you're looking at, you know, those values that are really important to you. Why did you set up this business? Is that still relevant today? Great. If it is, then, you know, is this widget, is this person, this process, this piece of technology still relevant to what I need? And if not, we're rebuilding, right? This is an okay phase to be in. And then the third phase of the business, and again, remember too, it's like I could be, I could have a 20-year business and I could be in startup mode in the beginning, but I could also be in startup mode in the middle and at the end, right? So all of these phases don't necessarily have to go in a cyclical order. They can be out of order in some cases. Um, so level three is the scaling up. This is where like we're spending um, this is like, I guess the question that you need to be asking about is like, how are you spending your time? In level one and level two, you're spending a lot of time on a lot of things. And level three, what I love to see my clients doing is really being analytical about where they are spending their time. There's a principle called the Pareto's principle. And it came out, I think in, I want to say the 1800s, but I could be mistaken. There may have been, I think another principle before that, that came out earlier, like in the 15 or 1600s. And then Pareto, who's an Italian gentleman, uh, economist, uh, coined his Pareto's principle, which is 20% uh, effort for 80% gain. So that's the, the mentality that you need to be thinking about in that sort of scalability level three phase of your business is how can I refine up uh, an offer that I have for a client and through the processes, the technology and the people that I use to help build out that in level two, that I can now get it to a point where we're generating 80% revenue, 80% growth, whatever that metric is for you that's important with 20% effort. That I think is the recipe for success, bottom line, as a level two business owner, is that you can go through all of your offers and scrutinize each one of them and say, how much effort is it taking for us to get that revenue? And, you know, if, it, if it's like, okay, how much effort is it taking for us to get that dollar? Is it taking a 60% effort? Is it taking us 80% effort? Or is it taking us 20% effort? And if it's not at 20%, what do you need to do this year to get it at 20%? Do you need to cut it? Like, it's like, it's just not even worth it, Brenda. Let's just get rid of it. Do we need to refine it by adding in some technology processes or people and maybe better people, better technology, better processes? But that's what you should be using your time with is to try and get that effort down to 20% so that when they're bringing in that revenue, it just, it seems like, not a lot of effort, right? And even if you have something that's bringing a lot of revenue for you right now, but it's feeling like 60% effort, how good would that offer feel if you were bringing in that same level of revenue or more, but without so much effort? So that's you know a, a, a thought that I want you to sort of think about when you're assessing where you're at right now. If some things are feeling like a high amount of effort, like 80% effort, and I'm only bringing in 20% of my revenue for it, I'm going to say you're still probably in level two. You're building out areas of your business. And this is where you need to just spend some time there. Like don't rush yourself getting to level three. Don't rush yourself into like scaling bigger until you refine some of your offers. And maybe the refining process is to let some things go. In other cases, it might be to improve some things. Or in other cases, it may be to like adopt new things. 
And then when you're in level three, to really look at your time and where you're spending your time. So the number one skill that you need to be able to acquire or tactic that you need to be able to put into your business to help you out in scaling is setting boundaries. We set boundaries by being really clear on our vision in our business and what our values are for our business. So that when we're making decisions about where we spend our time and who with and on what projects or activities, that it's in line with our vision and our values, right? We're not just doing it out of reaction. Like, oh, I'm not going to spend time with you. I'm going to cut off spending time with you because of this reaction that I'm feeling. I'm choosing to spend more time with these people and these activities because it's in line with my vision and my values and where I see my business going, right? The goals that I have for my business. So, and honoring your time doesn't always mean charging more because sometimes what people think is like, oh, I just need to charge more. Um, it could be, uh, when you think about scaling, but it doesn't always have to be, it could be setting boundaries and maybe changing the amount of time. So maybe you have a $5,000 offer and previously you, in that, within that offer, you are coaching people. I'm just thinking about like coaches because a lot of people that work with me are coaches, but you know, you are coaching somebody for 60 minutes, uh, every month for six months. And it was fi a $5,000 offer. What you could do is still offer that same package at $5,000 a month, but instead of doing 60 minutes of coaching, you're doing 45 minutes of coaching. Or maybe you were doing um, 45 minutes of coaching and now you want to drop it down to 30 minutes of coaching. So see right there, you're not necessarily raising your prices because in some cases I look at you know packages that are out there for coaching and I'm like, whoa, someone's charging that much. They're not necessarily bringing in more clients because they're charging a lot for it, but I also look at, well, time could be a factor for me. Like how much is that worth to me? Like, yeah, it'd be nice to get it a couple more thousand dollars, but so would not working Fridays. Like I don't work Fridays and I love not working Fridays. I'm also working Mondays, but not with clients just solely in my business. So I only work with clients on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And I love that. I love being able to do that. And now for some clients that might not work with them, so then there are other alternatives that I have. Well, you can work with me in this capacity. You know, maybe it's like Voxer support. Maybe it's in the community. Maybe it's a course that I offer. So changing the amount of time can also be a great way to kind of set those boundaries and also scale your business without necessarily charging more. And then, um, you know, I also put down here, scaling your business isn't just about money. It's about time on Voxer, on calls, on social media, setting some boundaries with that. So if you are going to do, say, like a Voxer type support, which is like um, like an instant messaging without having to give away your phone number, um, you know, I only coach people on like Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So if you want to sign up for Voxer coaching with me, it'll be on one of those three days or all three of those days, depending on what that is. And I will say to people, I'm available to on that Voxer coaching from 10 a.m. Pacific time to 4 p.m. Pacific time. And if they, you know, respond at, say, 8 o'clock at night, you're not going to hear from me. And I'm pretty good about doing that. Uh, but sometimes in the past I would have like, oh, you know, it's so great that this client's e uh, texting me at eight o'clock at night, but it's, you know, it's important to kind of set those boundaries in place. Uh, and then on calls, we talked about like reducing your call time. So if you're doing 60 minute calls, maybe take it down to 45 minutes or 30 minutes. And then also on social media. So people will ask, you know, they'll DM me, they'll ask for tips and things like that. How much, you know, communication do I go back and forth? 
you know, giving away sort of free coaching ideas there. So setting some boundaries around that. Maybe instead of saying to people, you know what, I love all your questions, come to my live on Friday. I'll be talking about this topic and you can raise your questions there. Then other people can hear your question and I can, you know, answer everybody around the same topic area. Uh, are you set up to handle more clients too, if your time is already maxed? So that's something to think about too, as you wanted to scale up your business in this level three, is what are the digital products that you're using? Are you flipping maybe from single uh, clients, like one-on-one -on -one, and working with people, say in a membership or in group or in masterminds? This allows you to scale as well. So don't look at what other people are doing, but what feels good for you. I have gone back and forth between when I first started coaching and consulting, it was always one-to-one. -one. Then I went into group and to mastermind. I'm now moving sort of away from group and going more into one-to-one -one coaching again. That feels really good for me. I'm also bringing back in courses and I have my community where I do offer some group experiences. And then how do you honor your commitments without being in person or on video? So that could be through Voxer, that could be through courses. So it doesn't always have to be that as I want to scale, I'm like, okay, well, there's only a certain amount of hours a week that I'm allowing for in-person or on video coaching time with my clients. So here are some alternatives that I also offer through Voxer, um, through courses where I don't necessarily have to be face-to-face -face with people. So those are just some examples about scaling your business, getting to that 100,000 mark, you know, maybe your business right now is sitting at 40,000 and you want to get up to 100,000. But, you know, depending on what level of business you're at, are you in that new inspiring phase level one? Are you in level two where you're building and you've got to put in those processes, right? That back end functionality. Uh, or are you in level three where you're ready to scale and you're ready to look at sort of like, okay, here's the offer suite that I have. Here's the structure of my business. How can I tweak a few things? and really maximize my presence within my business and with my clients. So those are some really great ways that you can kind of look at your business and analyze it and see what you need to put in store as far as your strategy plan. So check out the coursework. If you have more questions about it, reach out to me. I'm happy to, you know, shoot some ideas back and forth with you. Thanks for tuning in today and let me know what I can do to help you service you in your business and help you scale. Take care.